Coming up on today's Locked On Bucks podcast, we are debuting our Throwback Thursday a day late. Guys, do you remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. Blue Chew, that's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as the pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants that extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. For instance, you know, a lot of guys talk a big game, but if you're a one-and-done kind of guy, Blue Chew can even help you get to round number two. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for all our listeners. Visit bluechew.com and get your first shipment free when using our special promo code locked on. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's B L U E chew.com. Promo code locked on. L O C K E D O N to try Blue Chew for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Look at this day, 70 degrees in Tampa, Florida. Good day to be down on the field. Graham, touchdown. Sean Manning, and he is sacked. Gaines Adams, the rookie. This Buccaneer defense is flying around here in the first quarter. First and goal. They leave it in Eli's hands. He gets it to Brandon Jacobs. Brooks said our goal is to make Eli uncomfortable. They have not done that. Second and two. Jacobs, touchdown, New York. Solid first half for the Giants, who fell behind 7-0. 14 unanswered points. 14-7, New York at the break. As we begin the second half, Tynes will kick it away. Spurlock takes it in from about the 7. Room to run. Long lost the football, and it is recovered by New York Webster. John Gruden, uh, in that Gruden's tone, told his team to get more physical, and he said he wasn't happy with the pressure the four-man rush of the Giants were getting, and he would make adjustments in the running game so that Jeff Garcia could plant his feet. And he did say, he confirmed that uh, Joey Galloway did re-aggravate that shoulder, and Gruden is aggravated. He said Galloway will be out there, but he won't be 100%. Ernest Graham at the bottom of your screen, slid wide to the right. This is for Galloway and picked off an easy pick by Webster. Poor decision and throw by Jeff Garcia. The third quarter will end with the Giants up 17 to 7 runs, six passes. 15th play of the drive, touchdown Giants. Amani Toomer and a brilliant drive engineered by May hits the tight end Smith. Touchdown Buccaneer. And with 3.25 left and the extra point coming. About to make it a 10-point game. Buccaneers have not 
won a playoff game since they were in and won the Super Bowl five years ago. The Giants have not won a playoff game in seven years since they were in and lost the series. Now with two minutes, ten seconds remaining, the Buccaneers will have the football at their own 27, down by 10. This one downfield and incomplete. Nearly picked off by R.W. McQuarters. Could not get both feet down inbounds as the pass was intended for Clayton. Think back to... We're going to have a booth review on that interception. After reviewing the play, it is an interception. The defender has both feet inbounds and control of the football. It'll be New York's ball, first down on the 18-yard line. Washington Redskins, they, they failed to win that game, and now they host the Giants in a wild-card game and failed to win this game as well. Those are hard losses to overcome. Garcia down the field and nearly picked off by Butler. This game is over. And congratulations to the New York Giants. Eli Manning, the face man for this franchise. A date with the Dallas Cowboys awaits next Sunday. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I'm James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayYarko underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Apologies for... Uh, you know, missing the episode yesterday, but we are going to debut our uh, our Throwback Thursday episode right here on a Friday, and we'll give you a bonus episode tomorrow to make up for the one that we missed. It just, David and I each had some things pop up last minute, and we just couldn't couldn't get together to uh, to record. So you know, life happens, things happen, but we are here to talk about the last time the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were in the playoffs. And we reached out for phone calls. We did receive one. And it dawned on us that if we were going to debut a series such as this one, we probably should have started with something a little happier, David. Yeah, and, and that's on me. Because, I mean, honestly, I, I, I thought about it, and I was like, okay, the playoffs. I mean, making the playoffs is always a happy and momentous occasion, you know. So let's, let's throw back to the last time this team made the playoffs. That's what we're hoping they'll do again this year. And bring up some good memories. And then I'm making the intro for this episode, and I'm I'm watching the game over again, of course, and going through recording clips. And I'm just like, not a very good memory. I remember vividly now the feeling of watching this game in real time. And uh, yeah, so that's that's my fault. I apologize for that. We'll we'll try to choose a happier moment in Buccaneers history for next week, and hopefully we'll get some more interactions uh, from it because this is definitely the fewest amount of voicemails we've gotten from a, a call for voicemails in the history of our show. So that's all right. You know, it was 12 years ago, which I think that in, in and of itself makes it sting a little bit that it's like, man, yeah. the team really has not been to the postseason in, in 12 years. Yeah. But, and then I added in the clip. I don't know. I almost didn't add it, but I was like, you know what? Like, we just let's go ahead and just put the black ribbon on this whole thing. And the part where uh, I can't remember which, and I think it was Buck says uh, the Buccaneers haven't won a playoff game in the five years since they, they won the Super Bowl. And I'm just like, Oh man, if you only knew what was coming. <laughs> I had that exact same thought when, when you sent me the intro, but, yeah. um, and real quick. And I, I had told you before we started recording that, that, 
things were going to get a little personal on this episode. So let's go ahead and rip that Band-Aid off real quick. All right. You know, I, I remember this game so vividly because it was legitimately the icing on the cake of a very painful moment in my life. The day before this game, I had broken off my engagement. I had moved in with my fiance and then broke things off, packed up my what I could fit into my little Toyota Corolla, came back to you know Ohio because I had moved to Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And this game was the next day. And I remember her brother called me that morning. Well, I shouldn't say morning, you know, the, around lunchtime. And he and I were talking and he goes, well, I'm going to let you go. Cause I'm sure you want to, you want to get to watching your bucks game. And I didn't even have the game on yet. I turned it on after that telephone conversation to see the bucks kick off after Ernest Graham had scored a touchdown. And I was like, well, at least maybe this will cheer me up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Nope. Not so much. So yeah, this, this entire weekend is a very, still very vivid memory for me and not a good one. Yeah, that's, that's definitely, uh, (laughs) that's, that's rough. Um, I don't have anything nearly as, as dramatic as that. I I have to be honest with you. I don't, um, I do remember that that year. So, uh, I didn't remember it at first. And then, like I said, I I pretty much rewatched the entire game. I didn't watch the, I didn't rewatch the entire game, but I pretty much, rewatch the entire game to find the clips that I wanted to record and everything. And while I was watching it, it was obviously a Fox broadcast and uh, the, the commercial for the national championship game came on and it was Ohio state versus LSU. Oh, you remember how that went. That was a great game. Uh, Yeah. Depending on what side of that you're on. And I'm pretty sure no, no, that was Florida. Never mind. I was going to say I was pretty sure that was the year LSU basketball also beat the Buckeyes, but that was Florida. That yeah, that was their that football was and basketball team beat Ohio State in the same year for for titles. Um, but yeah, so you know, uh, to go from the highs of having my my favorite NFL team in the playoffs again with a Super Bowl winning coach and a roster that you know throughout the season had shown that they had some ability to do some no- do some things, make some noise, and I. Th- I think if I remember correctly, I mean, I, I remember feeling pretty confident coming into that game that they could beat the Giants. Oh, um, absolutely. And then pretty confident that the Buckeyes could beat the Tigers and uh, to walk away with not one but two losses and two losses that, I mean, at the end of the day, towards the end of the game, you know, one of the last clips in that in that intro is the touchdown to Alex Smith. And I mean, watching it, even like Jeff Garcia is walking off the field having just thrown a touchdown in the fourth quarter of a wild card playoff game. And you'd have thought he just, you know, kicked somebody's dog or somebody kicked his dog. Uh, so yeah, not definitely not the way any football fan wants to end their football watching year, but you know, that's, that's part of what makes the, uh, the good moment so good. And you know, what's wild to me is, is looking back at, at not just this game, but that season to see that Jeff Garcia was a pro bowler with only 13 touchdowns. How does that happen? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he also only threw four interceptions. That's probably how that happens. Uh, but still, at least during that's, the regular season. 
That's less than one a game. How did this team win nine games? Yeah, I don't know. Because actually, I mean, I'm actually kind of surprised that Garcia only threw four interceptions. He damn near threw four interceptions just against the Giants. Yeah, that was not a great performance. Not his greatest showing. But man, did I love Jeff Garcia with the Bucks? He yeah. was just fun. Yeah, that was good. Um, it was also good to see Ernest Graham again. Um, yeah, you know, I think all Bucks fans kind of remember from time to time. But good to see him in action. Actually, I remember he was one of my first Bucks-related follows on Twitter. But if I remember correctly, it's because he was trying to sell me something. Yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, chalk that one up. Uh, and then yeah, Cadillac. I mean, you know, we were talking about a little bit before we started recording. Talk about kind of the beginning of the end for him. Uh, they had mentioned during the prog- broadcast and uh, that he had injured, you know, his his knee in the second week of the year or the fourth week of the year. I think it actually was. I can't remember. Yeah. He, had, um, he had started four games that year. Yeah, and you know, so obviously knowing what we know now, you know, at the moment again, you look at this team, and even though they lost to the Giants, you know, like, oh man, okay, some some turnovers. Joey Galloway was hurt. You know, John Gruden's still there. Cadillac's coming back. Reason to be optimistic for the future. And then you know, well, and it, it wasn't even. You know, there still was some optimism because you remember two years later, you know, they, they still had Garcia. Then they bring in Antonio Bryant and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this, this team is, is nine and three heading into the month of December only to just completely spiral out of control, lose the final four games. Cadillac gets his knee blown out again yeah. in the final game of the season and John Gruden gets fired. You know, it's, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's fun to go back and watch some of these old games, but then when you think about kind of the domino effect of of what transpires, it's just it's wild. I mean, think about it: the Giants beat the Bucks, mm-hmm. go on to beat the undefeated New England mm-hmm. Patriots, and then what is it? Three years later, two years later, three years later, they play the Patriots again and beat them again. Yeah, and and that's why. Eli Manning is held in, in my opinion, higher regard than he probably should be. Um, oh, yeah. And, and, you know, real quick, before you move on from Eli, uh, I'm glad you brought him up because, again, rewatching the game, if you have the, uh, the opportunity to rewatch the game, there were questions at the time. Eli Manning had been in the, in the league for a little while. I want to say that was his fourth year as a pro. He was 27, I think, at the time. And there were questions, like, is Eli an NFL quarterback? Is he going to be a franchise quarterback? Can he get them over the hump? He hadn't won a playoff game. That game was his first playoff win of his career. Um, and honestly, he hadn't really played well in in the playoffs before. that. They lost, I think, two wild card matches before that season. And there were questions. Is Eli really the guy to take the Giants to the next place they need to be? And now, two Super Bowl. I mean, if he loses that game, like, if Eli Manning loses that game, I think it's possible the Giants move on from him after that season. And who knows where Eli Manning is. I mean, it's remember those NFL uh, films? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this could be one of those and if it's it's what if week at, at uh, SB Nation. You know, what if the Buccaneers won that game? What happens to Eli Manning? I think there's a very good possibility that the – I don't know what his contract situation was at the time, but it's possible the Giants move on from him or, or at least draft somebody who's going to compete and, and push and all that stuff and – uh, there's actually a good question. Do you think the Buccaneers, that year's Buccaneers, could have beat the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl? Absolutely not. Yeah, unfortunately, I agree. And I think then you have a six, you have a, well, it would have been what, 
16, 17, 18, 19 and 0, New England Patriots shoving the cork down Mercury Morris's throat? Uh, I don't know. Because I do also vividly remember the rest of that that postseason because I strongly felt at the time that the only team in the NFC that could beat the Patriots that year in the Super Bowl was not the New York Giants. It was Brett Favre's Green Bay Packers. Packers. That Packers team was incredible. And it was a overtime interception by yeah. Brett Favre. Sent the giant. The question is, could the Bucks have beaten the Packers? You know what I mean? Absolutely. I mean, would have gone on to Dallas had they won that game. But then you, you imagine they, if they beat Dallas, they go on to Green Bay. Could they have even beaten the Packers? So, I mean, it may not. It may have been a foregone conclusion. The Bucks weren't going to be in the Super Bowl. It's just a matter of who's going to be there instead. Um, especially when you look at – I mean, I don't think we ever got a report of just how bad Joey Galloway's shoulder was after that game because there was no need to. Um, but he was obviously not good in that game and not healthy in that game after he re-injured his shoulder. Um, so, you know, he likely wouldn't have – had they moved on to Dallas, you likely don't have Joey Galloway. You're already out Cadillac Williams. Jeff Garcia, even if they pull out a victory, he's coming off a pretty ugly game. Yeah, I mean, it, it would have been a rough road, but, you know. I think every postseason is a rough road for somebody. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, David, why don't we go ahead and jump over to our caller yeah. and and uh, see what he has to say about this game. Hey, James. Hey, David. It's Chris at TB underscore Bucks underscore for life. Hey, James. Hey, David. It's Chris at TB underscore Bucks underscore for life. So, going with the throwback Thursday theme, um, the last time the Bucks were in the playoffs was when they it was a home game against the Giants. That game I was really really uh, mad about, so I'm not going to talk about that game as much. Or you know, my first game that I've ever watched the Bucks play was in 1996. I was six years old and watched the uh, they were taking taking on the Raiders and uh, and I won't talk about that either. But the the one playoff game that I really liked other than the year we won the Super Bowl was in 2005 when the Bucks played the Redskins. We ended up losing that game, but I thought overall it was a very thrilling game. Um, <clears throat> with, I think I remember at one point Mike Allstott ended up like going on, it was either a two-point conversion or it was something to tie the game, and he leaped over the goal line and, and scored, and then it was kind of a shootout, I remember, in the last quarter or so of that game but those are kind of my memories the good old days instead of the 10-year 11-year drought uh hopefully bruce arians can uh fix that this year and get this team back to the postseason but have a great day love the idea can't wait to hear uh, other fans stories and go bucks all right, Chris, appreciate the phone call even though you told me on twitter you're not listening to my portion of the podcast anymore Okay, so quick correction. I do have to throw this out there. The all-star two-point conversion when he jumped over the pile, that was the same season, but that was the regular season matchup. And all-star had scored the touchdown to get them within one. And the Redskins jumped off sides on the extra point. So when it moved up, basically inside the one-yard line, Gruden 
went ahead, called for the two-point conversion to go ahead and go for the win rather than the tie. So right season, right teams, wrong moment. But, yeah, I do remember that that Redskins-Bucks uh, playoff game. That was Chris Sims, and he had a heck of a day. Uh, Cadillac had a heck of a day. That was the infamous um, Michael Pittman punching Sean Taylor because Sean Taylor spit in Michael Pittman's face mm-hmm. was during that playoff game. And there was, and for the life of me, David, you're going to have to help me on this one. I can't remember the wide receiver. But Chris Sims had thrown a perfect deep ball late in the game. The Bucks were down. And it was a it was a catch. It was a touchdown. And the referee called it incomplete. It almost mirrored exactly what happened in the regular season game. Same, same receiver, same situation. And and this time the ref called it incomplete, and the Bucks ultimately would go on to lose. Uh, any idea who that receiver was? No, I have no idea. I was going to try to make something up. I have no clue. Man, your memory is a lot better than mine. I'm just, I'm not even going to, I'm not going to lie about your memory is very, very, it's, it's, it's pretty impressive actually. Uh, like I said, there are moments that I, I remember very, Although, very vividly. In my defense, 2005, 2006, I was in Afghanistan. Okay. Well, see, then you get a pass. I remember sitting in my, my living room watching that, that game. Okay, so their their receivers, their starting receivers anyway, were um, Michael Clayton and Joey Galloway. Uh, you had Michael Clayton, Joey Galloway, for the life of me, I can't remember who it was. That's really, really going to bother me. Uh, oh, Ike Hilliard was on the team, but he wasn't the one that that he threw to. It was it was a it was a special teams guy. That, oh man, that's going to drive me absolutely insane what else did chris touch on there that that we need to that we need to talk about uh he reconfirmed that i picked the the worst possible memory to to try to call back to when he said uh like you know i understand it's about the last time the Bucks went to the playoffs but i don't want to talk about that because it makes me mad so thanks thanks for the affirmation chris And I too, I too look forward to hearing other Buccaneers fans' memories in the future, because hopefully we will. Adele Shepard. It was Adele Shepard with three minutes left in the game. Chris Sims threw it to to Shepard. Uh, it was it was seventeen to ten at the time. It was called incomplete. Tampa challenged the play. The ruling wasn't upheld. And then on fourth and 10, Sims threw to Shepard again, and it was incomplete. Washington ran the clock down to barely over a minute left, and uh, Chris Sims threw an interception to end the game, and uh, Mark Brunel's Washington Redskins would go on to win that one. Yeah, other than that, uh, David, any any parting thoughts on our, our, our uh, initial – Throwback Thursday episode talking about the Giants' uh, victory over the Bucks in in the 2007 Wild Card round. Uh, I have one, and I've been saving it to the end. So I kind of t- how much you loved Ike Hilliard. I was an Ike Hilliard fan, actually. Ah, third uh, and Ike was amazing. But yeah. I'm sorry, please continue. No, it's fine. So 
We talked about Eli Manning, right? And again, going back to that game and listening to kind of the, the conversation before the game and the buildup during the game about surrounding Eli Manning, talking about accuracy issues, turnover issues, success in the playoffs. Uh, granted, he had been to the playoffs and had opportunity to have success in the playoffs. But it kind of got me thinking, and it, and it kind of made me wonder, and I went back and looked, and that season was Eli's fourth. It was his fourth season as a pro. Jameis is entering his fifth. And a lot of the same questions surround Jameis that surround Eli. You know, is he really a franchise quarterback? Is he really a guy that can get the job done? Is he really a guy who can lead your franchise you know, to Super Bowl to win championships? Uh, plural, right? And so then I also looked, Eli Manning was 27 when he beat the Buccaneers for his first playoff win of his career. James Winston just turned 25. So it just kind of, I don't know, it kind of put things in perspective a little bit for me because the Giants, I'm sure there were Giants fans who, like some Buccaneers fans, were saying it's, you know, enough is enough. Let's move on. And I understand with the Buccaneers, and James Winston, there's there's more than just the on-field stuff. So I get that. Don't get me wrong. And I'm not trying to use this as a convincer as a convincer per se. It just it was kind of an interesting comparison to me because the Giants were patient. The Giants, you know, Coach Coughlin, they continued to build around James or James, they continued to build around Eli. You know, they they put together a pretty effective defense. They got a running game going for them. Uh, they had some some pretty good receivers. Uh, I think Mike Evans is is better than any receiver the Giants had for Eli. Uh, especially that year. I mean, I know, I know Plexico has 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 had, you know had a pretty good career, or whatever. But I think Mike's better than Plexico. Would you agree? One billion percent. Yeah, yeah. So just make sure I'm not being a homer here. Yeah, I mean, I know you know the the conversation is is this year. You know, if if James can't put it together this year under Bruce Arians, he's never going to get it done. And I got that. And I don't necessarily disagree with that to a certain extent. But when you kind of look at it, right, Eli Manning was two years older than Jameis Winston is right now when he won his very first playoff game. Granted, he also won the Super Bowl in that same season. He's gone on to win another. And, I mean, there are people arguing that Eli is a Hall of Famer. So, when you look at it, I mean, is it worth your franchise potentially landing even an arguable Hall of Famer? Like, you may not even have a Hall of Famer on your hands, but just a guy who is arguably willing or worthy of going into the Hall of Fame, is it worth – doing what the Giants did, which was putting up with a year or, or two more. Again, Eli only had four regular seasons before he hit his playoff uh, win. However, look at how much the age, how looking at the age difference, right? Maturity has a lot to do with a lot of these things. Um, if you're, I don't know if you're, if you're, if you're like me, then you probably have to be over the age of 25 to realize that experience is one of the biggest teachers. And while Jameis has been playing in the NFL for a while, He's still a young dude. He's still got more football to experience. He's still got time. I think that's really the biggest thing. He still has time. And I think that's a question I would I would like some answers, like from some from Bucks fans. I mean, we have some regulars, you know, Chris, Chef, and all that. But even those of you, um, we have a, a, a bunch more downloads than we get voicemails. So some of you who maybe you're, you're shy or you just don't take the time, I'd like to know the answer. If I, if I could tell you, and I know I can't, but looking back at the Giants' experience with Eli, if, if, if the possibility is there that you go through one more year of disappointment, one more year of, is this really the guy to stick with your 26 turning 27-year-old quarterback and you end up with two championships moving on from there in his career and a potential Hall of Famer, 
are you willing to go through yet another year of disappointment to get to that uh, to that situation? That's I, I mean, it's an interesting. I don't know the answer myself right now. So I think I don't know, James. I don't know if you have one, but I think it's just kind of an interesting discussion because if you remember when Paige was on, we asked her, "Is this is this it? Is this the year that Jameis has to show he can do it?" Or with Bruce Arians, are they going to give him, you know, a couple years? And she said, no, it's this year or never. So I kind of want to know, looking at, again, how, how old Eli was, two years older than Jameis, before he got his first postseason win, and then what the Giants have gotten since then, the two Super Bowls, potential Hall of Fame, blah, blah, blah. Is that something Bucks fans would be willing to endure for 2019, 2020 to get there? If you can promise me that after one more year of suffering, the Bucks are going to come out of the Jameis Winston era with two Super Bowls, I will take that trade off a hundred times out of a hundred. Yeah, I, I, I mean that's and because because again, remember, like talk to Giants fans, like Eli. It's not like you know Eli's a quarterback that you got two Super Bowls and a whole bunch of close calls. Like there have been seasons where people are like, "Who? What are you doing, Eli? Man, like who is this quarterback?" Why do we like they're they're fans still like to this day where basically it's like, well, we're keeping Eli because he is a giant. Like it's more of a kind of going back to the Gerald McCoy thing. It's more of a respect factor, tradition factor. You don't cut that kind of a guy from your team factor than it is anything else. Um, I remember when he got benched, I was angry that he got benched. I felt like it was on uncalled for. I felt like the the option that they put in for him was not any better than than what Eli brought to the table. So to bench him that way was 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 first off disrespectful, but also just a bad football decision, and and, and I was proven right. But I do oh, remember searching social ben, media. There were a lot of Giants fans who understood it and almost welcomed it. Ben McAdoo was really, really good at bad decisions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well, yeah. Just I don't. Know, just a thought. Like if anybody wants to send voicemails on that, you know, that'd be great. I'd like to. I'd like to hear you guys' thoughts on that. Um, but yeah, just that was kind of my final thought on it. Is kind of realizing that, you know. Eli was two years older when he got his first postseason victory. And, again, two Super Bowls during his career. And uh, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. But I know there are discussions out there saying that he's a Hall of Famer. So even just having an arguable Hall of Famer uh, leading your team, I mean, that's that's better than some options. You know what I mean? So just, just a curiosity of mine. Chris, you have inspired next week's Throwback Thursday episode. So here's what we're going to have you guys do. In addition to to calling and weighing in on, on David's hypothetical proposal, we need you all to call in with your memory of the first Buccaneers game you remember watching. And you can do so by giving us a call at 813-444-5841. Check out everything David and I are doing over at BucksNation.com. Make sure you're following along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayArco underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Hope you all have a safe, wonderful, enjoyable Friday, and thank you so much for joining us right here at Locked On Bucks.